0: Welcome to Of Dust and Divinity, a place where we ask big questions of small things as we gather around the table with makers, thinkers, and doers. So grab your favorite drink, pull up a chair, and join us. And now, here are your hosts, Kevin Kramer and Chris Gwandt.
1: Ah! Uh. There we go. Got it that time. There we go. Trying this live intro thing, Caban. That's a lot of pressure. <laughs> if you're fans of The Office, we did this the first time and I shrewded it. I just <laughs> messed it up. So, oh my gosh, Caban. So good. So thanks good. Thanks for your grace. Oh, in, uh, I love it. <laughs> letting me oh, mess man. up the intro. Uh, but hey, here we are. Uh, episode four episode of season four. three. Here we go. We episode four. Let's go. Man. Um uh, as we normally start as the nice lady, a.k.a. my wife, at in the intro said, uh, pull, up a, pull up a chair, get a drink, yeah. and join us. Cabin, what are you drinking?
2: This is some Macallan 12-year. Oh, um, some Macallan again? Which is, yeah, I mean, this is... Mm,
1: Scotch, right?
2: Scotch. It's just good, clean whiskey. It's good.
0: Got
1: it. Yep. Nice. Yep.
2: Love it. Okay. Yeah, and, and, and of course... Our listeners can't see it, but I'm holding it up for you, and it's just this kind of really light amber color, which is just Oh, delightful. it's beautiful. Yeah, yeah. It's real great.
1: Oh, that's nice. All right.
2: Okay, but how about you? What are you drinking?
1: Uh, went with the bottle again. I uh, haven't showed it to you yet. I've got a uh, salt and lime lager. Uh, wow. Stone. Okay. Yeah. It's like the... I feel like it's like the Dia de los Muertos uh, uh-huh. yeah, mask yeah, 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 on there, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. on the front, the label. A little so,
2: Corona without calling it Corona. Do I get yeah, labeled a little with Corona the without CDC calling it Corona?
1: Yeah, yeah. Yep. I don't have a lime, uh, but uh, for accurate the, uh,
2: information on coronavirus, go to the CDC website.
1: Oh, jeez. Okay, here we go. Oh. There's the uh, tradition of the nice. bottle top now, and. Uh, mm, yeah, it's a Corona without being a Corona. Okay, <laughs> there it is. Tasty though, refreshing. No. That's a that's a. To me, I associate that with cooler weather, or not cooler, warmer, warmer.
2: weather. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And
1: it's mm-hmm. a cool drink for for warmer weather. Yeah, um, not a not a not what I'd normally like. It's a beer like a stout. You can mm-hmm. eat it with a fork. Hey, have you mm. gotten rain the last couple days? Uh, we got. Uh, I think it rained for an hour. Mm. If that, uh, I was wondering about the trees see uh where you're at. Did you guys get much? Yeah, two weeks
2: ago when it, you know, considered raining, <laughs> about five miles away they got like an inch and a half of rain. And here we got no nothing. No so kidding. yeah, a couple of days ago we got maybe three quarters of an inch, which is great. What's um, your elevation? Oh, we're like forty feet above sea level. Oh. Yeah, down. you're right
1: on the Okay, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah we're,
2: we're yeah, yeah, we're we're down okay. low. Um but then again, some places around us got quite a bit more, so i'm I'm okay. getting to question whether or not I have offended uh God and he's smiting me in his wrath by withholding water, but you know,
1: yeah, and for those that don't know the uh living in California, we had a really great December I mean record snowpack it no. was great i we were snowed in up here. we're at about twenty four hundred feet for mm-hmm. we snowed in for no power electricity for four days. Uh, and then everything came back on. We were so happy, so excited. Uh, January hit and kind of not a drop, not a drop
2: here, not a drop in the whole
1: month of January. Yep. Yes. And and then February was kind of the same little bit of spritzing or sprinkles or whatever. Mm -hmm. And that is, that is your weather forecast for California. I, 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 was thinking Cabin, I don't know how much longer because you live in the trees, a different type of tree. I live up in cor- kind mm-hmm. of more mountainy trees. And I'm just trying to think, like, how long can these trees hang on mm-hmm. <laughs> with mm-hmm. no water before this becomes a desert? Yeah. I don't know. Um, well,
2: I, I can tell you it would take me one summer without water before I'd be bankrupt. Oh. Yeah. If, if we don't have water just for one three-month season during the summertime. That's it. All the trees would
1: die. That yeah. Well, it, and you said I'm trying to remember if we, you said it here that walnuts don't naturally grow in California, right? Right, and but they need they need quite a bit of water, right? Yeah, they. I mean, they're, they're yeah.
2: native to like Kyrgyzstan and yeah. that that whole area. That's right. So it's okay. Much more mountainous. Much more. You know a, a northern european kind of climate but yeah we we've really cultivated them to this climate which so now this is this is the the walnut capital of the world um yeah so now they grow but it's because we have the technology to have irrigation
1: systems man to make it happen so yep. uh any uh those listening any uh good thoughts or prayers yes please <laughs> uh everybody in california go out and wash your car uh the last two times i've Finally, broken down and watered my plants. Uh, it's decided to almost pretend like it's oh, going to rain. So maybe I Do should go more. out and water my plants. Yeah. Again. So uh, our, our um, friends
2: in both Washington and Texas are getting too much water. Yeah. We keep right. trying to figure out a way that we can just email each other. What we need. So <laughs> exactly. I'll email them sunshine. They'll e- email me some rain and, and we'd we'll, we'll be good to go.
1: And we'll call it square, especially <laughs> yeah. up in Washington state. Yeah. Yeah. Love it. Well, Hey, uh, this is, this is a part two Cabe, And we originally thought this might be just a, a one part, but, uh, for those that have heard, and maybe you haven't heard, go back and listen to last week. We, we de- decided to talk about rites of passage, mm-hmm. um, and just kind of serendipitously. And coincidentally, I'm using air quotes that, uh, we had, I had, uh, my wife's friend was over Anita uh, and we got to talking about rites of pa- passage, and she actually has a book that was going through that on the female rites of passage. Yeah. And we're like, oh, my gosh, if you guys are willing to talk about this, let's talk about it. And we did. I don't know about you. Like, <laughs> yeah. whoa. Such a rad conversation. Oh, oh so man. Good. I got it so much so out good. of that. I let your text afterwards yeah. uh, to me was like that was so good. Yeah, <laughs> it, it, it was. really was. Yep. And so we decided like okay let's because we're gonna talk about your son's mm-hmm. rite of passage and and he's turning I believe ten now mm-hmm. and so that's gonna kick that in, um and and kind of from that perspective we maybe have a guy's perspective on it, uh, but but just kind of wanted to talk about and we touched on it a little bit last week but just talking about rites of passage. Yeah. Just what what is defined as a rite of passage? Kevin, I have it up on the internet. Sir. Oh, so the internet look at you, internet-wise. It. Okay. I know, right? This is going to be... Yeah. Uh, I googled <laughs> rite of passage, ladies and gentlemen. Okay. A ceremony or event marking an important stage in someone's life, especially birth, puberty, marriage, and death. Yep. And I think that showed up a lot in our conversation. Um, now, n- to more detail... Last week. Mm-hmm. Um, Especially on the
2: puberty piece.
1: Exactly. Yep. Exactly. Um, and, and then I I was looking up what are, you know, s- there are some kind of common searches of what are five rites of passage mm. or three rites of passage. Um, so if, if you're looking at five, it's it's right to birthright, mm. right to adulthood, right to marriage, right to eldership, mm. and then right to ans- ancestorship, mm. which I can only assume that means death Mm -hmm. yeah Yeah. so but i like that right to ancestorship Mm. um so so kind of okay there's there's the definition of rites of passage now that can you know go a lot wider and a lot deeper um especially thinking of our conversation last week uh but i want to kind of know for you uh what what rites rites of passage play for you? We'll get we'll get to Judah, but like, well, how does that mm-hmm. show up for you? Or is this something like we were talking last week? New thing here mm-hmm. wasn't wasn't a thing, and now we're trying to make it a thing.
2: Yeah, yeah. The, my first interaction with the idea of rites of passage, and particularly the rites of passage that I'm focused on with Judah, and just kind of more generally, have to do with more or less aligning with purity. They're not specifically oriented around the puberty experience, but they're around what happens to us as humans as we mm. move from this idea of being a child who is taken care of to being a contributing member to the collective. Um, yeah. So that that's what these rights primarily focus on. So my first exposure to that was when I was in Kenya. Um, okay. the, the Maasai tribe have a series of rights that they're young men their children go through um that culminates in them being able to actually participate in the community welfare um including okay. being able to care for animals being able to slaughter animals other essentials in in their well-being as a community and as a tribe so that impressed upon me and and I I encountered that when I was 13 years old mm. witnessing it and it made an indelible mark Uh, The sense that I yearned for that myself. Um, Of course, in, in the culture that I grew up in, that just wasn't part of the conversation. And then going through college, engaging in conversations with my peers, realizing that the sense of acknowledgement, the sense of consciousness around some of the tectonic movements that happen in our lives were going... Um, unnamed and unhonored. And Mm -hmm. that created just a sense of wonder in me of what could we become if we chose to honor these things and pay attention to them. And then of course, my firstborn happened to be a boy. So I began Mm -hmm. thinking about his rites of passage kind of from day one about this moment of transition. And when I say moment, to me, it's it's kind of a six-year process. So the rites of passage, that Judah and I will be participating in together if he continues to show interest in it. Um, began on his 10th birthday and will wrap up um, at the end of his 16th year, so just before his 17th birthday. Okay. Um, so it covers quite a bit of time. Um, so by, by moment, I mean just that point in the time scale of life. When we emerge from kind of this soupy isolation of childhood and all my needs are provided for and we step into this um, consciousness of participation and contribution, mm. um, and then of course there's some questions: what are we contributing to? <laughs> what what system are we participating in? Um, and and those things are addressed in in some of the rights that we're going to be going through in the next couple of years. But um, so for me, this particular right, you know, so birth, uh, we as the ones being born, there's not a lot of consciousness around it, right? Mm-hmm. Um, marriage and death um there theoretically should be quite a bit of consciousness around, although it could be argued that we've done a fantastic job becoming unconscious to those as well um mm. but but that transition from childhood into adulthood um has if it's if it's been noticed, it has been um mutilated in its noticing it has been. Warped and over masculinized. Right. It's become this sense of like, oh, got to got to go become a man. And it's it's taken mm-hmm. on these tones of like um, warriorism and domination and, and things that um, are noticing, but they are noticing from. A childish point of view even if it's adults doing the noticing because it's this hyper masculinized unbalanced sense of what is it that we're doing we're becoming men well what does that mean well we don't know it just means be angry and violent or dominating or whatever mm-hmm. um, so the sense of consciousness really comes into the center for these rites of passage from childhood into manhood and in Judah's case it is manhood mm-hmm. um, because he is gender-identifying as male, and so that's his rites of passage. Um, So it is a sense of going from unconscious to conscious, going from Mm. individual to collective, going from being provided for to providing. Mm. And so those are pretty tectonic shifts in our relationship to the world. Um, And so it's about noticing them it's about providing contexts in which he can experience and embody so this is the other thing about rites and passages they aren't conversations or books to read they are body experiences this Mm -hmm. is why they often involve ceremony they often involve objects they often involve fire or light or water or ice they involve elements elements of the earth and not just like elements as in like bread and wafer or whatever, but like actual elements of the earth. Um, and often they involve some kind of token of remembering whether it's, Mm -hmm. you know, a knife or a painting or a journal or something. So there is something about the ritual that is very, very concrete and tangible. You can put your hands on it. You can put your hands on the people. You can see the event taking place. And again, that material concrete experience is pretty undervalued. Um, Mm. It's pretty underrated in, in the ability that our body has in shaping and transforming our minds. We tend to put all of our eggs in one basket, which is the supremacy of our intellect and our wit. And we forget that our body learns things too and that our body can actually teach our mind things. Um, mm. And when it comes to being human, we need to listen to our bodies. Our minds need to become uh, students of our own bodies. And these rituals set up scenarios where we can become conscious of that and willfully and, and, and um, purposefully choose into that participation uh, in such a way that we could hopefully, theoretically, um, have some tools at the ready. Uh, for when these life challenges outside the, the walls of, of childhood come.
1: So uh, a couple things, and if I missed it, forgive me, but you said that this is something that you observed but never really had in your life. Did, yeah. Is that something that that never was a part of your life or you had some experience or little to none?
2: L- little to none. I, I have one okay. memory of taking our three-wheelers to a Jeep trail uh, somewhere mm-hmm. in the Sierra Nevadas. And we rode for a couple hours up to an abandoned, like it basically basically ghost town, an abandoned mine with some outbuildings. Mm-hmm. And I don't remember any conversation we had. It wasn't any kind of conversation about becoming a man. It wasn't any conversation about sex. It wasn't anything that might've prepared me for those things, but I do mm-hmm. remember getting my first knife on that trip. And that okay. was significant. Um, but it lacked some of the ritualistic elements that might have equipped me um, moving into high school and, and things like that.
1: Yeah. I can remember a few. I, I don't know if this was uh, necessarily a rite of passage. Maybe it was. <laughs> I remember on my 13th birthday, waking up and my parents had printed out this long, you remember those dot matrix pen- printers oh, yeah. that had the the punch, the perforated holes on each side and they run it through. And, nee-nee, nee-nee, yep. nee-nee. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and it, there was, it was a banner that said, oh, no, we have a teenager. And that was up on the... So it was definitely... There was a shift there of something like to be celebrated kind of in a, in a humorous way. It wasn't meant to be derogatory. <laughs> at least I don't think it was. but <laughs> <laughs> Or at least you my had parents' the good humor to not take it derogatorily. <laughs> yeah, or my parents were just mentally preparing themselves for the next seven years or whatever that was going to look like. I remember my dad... Um, I don't remember how old I was, but it was that trip where we went up to a cabin and I think it was the Dr. Dobson tapes, which was then the sex talk, which <laughs> kind of understanding that, which was just completely awkward and like, Oh, this okay. Any questions? No. <laughs> I don't know how to talk about this. All right. Well, let's go get some dinner. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> um, And it was, and I see myself doing it now, but it was something where my dad and I never, I mean, we did a lot of stuff. Like I played baseball and he coached it and we do, but we didn't go to trips. Mm. Uh, You know, we do stuff around the house and stuff like that, but like a trip together, like that was never a thing. Mm. And so like, oh, this is, this is different. And I'm, I'm finding myself like, I need to do this or not do this with my sons as my sons are getting older, like, Mm. Oh, I need to be more intentional with them because like all of a sudden, if I just want to do this grandiose thing, like that's weird. Like, Mm -hmm. come on, Mm -hmm. like we we never do this. Why are we doing this now? So scaffold it. Yeah, exactly. And then probably like moving into early adulthood other than, you know, okay, maybe it was my, my trip overseas, you know, Mm. I think my one and only trip overseas, And then, yeah, kind of the big ones, marriage, childbirth, et cetera. Now, you said uh, something interesting that, you know, what marriage and death kind of is ignored now. What do you you mean by that? Because I kind of feel, I mean, it's still a big deal. We still get a lot of people together. My wife and I invited everybody we knew. We did it in the middle of the afternoon, so we didn't have to feed everybody except like trail mix. Yeah, yeah, real strategic. (laughs) You you get all the people there. Um, But what? Tell me more about that. What do you?
2: What do you feel is being missed? I, I might be getting myself in hot water if we talk too much about marriage, but um, certainly with death, our 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 system that we operate in here in North America mm-hmm. is wired for perpetuity. So corporations in their corporate documents don't naturally die. If, some, if a business goes out of business and ceases to be a functioning corporation, we see that as failure. Um, mm. So, Everything about you know, we the the we love that the Coca-Cola we buy now is a Coca-Cola we've been buying for decades. We don't want it to change we want this thing to exist for eternity, the same, mm-hmm. unchanged, always available, always exactly as it was, always something I know and can receive. And so the the greatest fear is that indelible end, that that permanent closing of the doors um, mm-hmm. on our own lives. Um, And in fact, it was, it was, it was a industrialist in the late 1800s who was the first one to write a will that started if I die and that this belief of our own immortality that was birthed through this capitalistic engine of uh, consistent products and perpetuity um, has come to shape our view of who we are in the world. And, and death is the enemy of the free market engine. Uh, Mm. so because of that we tend to put old people away in homes where we don't have to see them Um, we keep our dead out of view and in fact it's become culturally taboo to show photos of the dead Um, other parts of the world it's the exact opposite you disrespect them if you hide their photos or if you hide their image or if you hide them in their Mm. death so there are other ways of moving in the world than the way that we move in the world that can be good um and and that can also honor death in ways that we do not honor death now. And the the preparation for death tends to be a great fight against it. So we pump ourselves full of the medicines we need. We have the iron lung to keep us going. We have everything we can. We fight, fight, fight against death instead of seeing it as a great unfolding of the next transition. Hmm. So there is no, if if there were ceremony and ritual around death in America, it is one of screaming and kicking and not one of humble yeah. participation.
1: Yeah. And it seems, like you're saying, it seems kind of secretive. It seems kind of hidden. It's something that we don't have to deal with a lot. Yeah. I think about over the weekend, my mom and sister flew out. My cousins came into town uh, because Grandma's ninety six years old, um, probably in the last stages here. Mm. We think maybe towards the end of the month, and and that'll be it. So everybody's kind of coming to to be now to we can be around Grandma while she still is is available to to be with us. And mm. and, and yeah, it was it was for Grandma, but probably more for us. Mm. And, and when that moment happens, I don't know who will be there if anybody will be there. And mm-hmm. and then it's just like, okay, now we've got everything in place. So now just let, let the things happen, you know, the casket, the ceremony, the, you know, um, everything that that's happening. And, and you're right. It's, it's all very, I don't know if mechanized is the right word, but you're right. It's, it's taken care of. And then, and then we don't think about it anymore. Mm. At least we don't want to, um, to where you're right. It's is it a celebrated time? Is it a time where, I mean, are we going to have a picture of grandma? We probably not. Like we didn't have it. My grandpa passed away at the beginning of 2021. Like, I don't mm-hmm. think we had a picture of him at his, you know, memorial service. And so you're right. It is this thing. Now on, on the marriage thing, I was thinking, well, okay, like back in the day and maybe in other cultures too, like it could be celebrated for days on end. And we're just like, get in, get out, get it married. Get on the honeymoon and we're done. So that's kind of where I'm thinking. Maybe we're losing something in the in the overall celebration, mm. the beginning of of a, a a new phase, if you will. Yeah. Um. I won't. I won't let you dig too deep in there. But that's <laughs> what I was thinking. Maybe you're thinking. Well, we don't celebrate it enough. Initially, we don't equip enough initially for moving into this new phase.
2: Yeah, I, I feel like the focus of celebration has shifted from welcoming a new unit into a community of flourishing and into Mm. this individualized prize winning of this pure love. Um, So now everything's about exactly how the bride wants it to make her feel the most special on that day. The honeymoon is extravagant, (laughs) right? So we, we've, we've cut out the sense of stepping into a wider circle and now we're trying to make it our own personal award ceremony.
1: Yeah. Well, I got a trophy and it was great. So. <laughs> and that was my wife.
2: And I'm not saying the trophy's bad, right? I'm just saying like that's <laughs> that that's that's part of the the You're celebration, right. but we've made it the
1: whole. Yeah. So I want to, if you're willing to share, I would love to, especially if folks that have younger children coming up. I would love for you, as much as you want to share, kind of what you're doing for Judah and and what you would hope to do as you're going mm-hmm. along this path, uh, and and the resources that that you've been using to kind of guide you in this, and, and maybe you're just making it up, and you're like, my resource is my brain. And, and that's what I got. Uh, but it does bring up interesting conversations. Uh, we were having this conversation with uh, Jordan, who is our oldest, and we were talking about his first birthday. And and he asked a question. We, my wife and I were reminiscing with fond memories, how, oh, all these people were here, and it was really great, and we had this great time. And Jordan was like, why? <laughs> I don't remember any of it. Why did you go through all the trouble of doing that? <laughs> and we looked at each other, and we thought, Why? Oh, that's not for the kid. Mm-hmm. That's a rite of passage for the parents. For the parent. And I had never yeah. looked I had never looked at it that way yeah. before because of, well, of course we want to sell No, we just kept you alive for a year. Mm-hmm. And yep. there's a lot of firsts in that year. And we went into recounting like I remember getting them in the car seat for the first mm-hmm. time and literally being out in the driveway going, How in the heck do we <laughs> get this thing in? And how am I gonna transport this thing? Fragile little thing, uh, there and back again. Yeah, right. And yeah. so we started going through all the first one, like, oh, that wasn't for you. Yep, that was for us. And so it does make sense that as the parents are progressing, okay, now the now they're becoming an individual. Now mm-hmm. the child, you're right, is becoming into that steps to adulthood, which mm-hmm. is crazy. Like mm-hmm. to think that ten years we're starting to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, and so yeah, I would I would love to hear. Again, however much you're willing to share, um, what what you're doing in that respect?
2: Yeah, so let, let's start from a couple different perspectives. Um, first, obviously, indigenous cultures all over the world have done rites of passage for thousands and thousands of years, and there is something intuitive. Like our now, we know from science that our brains and our bodies, the hormones, chemicals, everything else, um, keep shifting and changing. Our whole lives, but really significantly up till we're somewhere between 25 and 30, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, we've kind of picked these arbitrary points that, you know, 16 you can drive, 21 you can drink, whatever. It's different in different countries. But all of that is tied into the same kind of indigenous wisdom that acknowledges that our bodies continue to change, right? It's not mm-hmm. that puberty isn't the only change and it's not the last change. There's this continuation of cascading changes that happen. And there was an acknowledgement that we don't accidentally find our way into wisdom, that we don't stumble upon maturity, um, but that we create it and we can choose into it or we can choose out of it. Um, Mm. But it's something that must be offered and presented. And so if that's not modeled to us from any source, whether it's a coach or parent or teacher, even someone you see. You know, on television or a politician who you really admire if it's never given to us as a model if it's never offered to us it's never an invitation we can receive and step into um, and so for thousands of years cultures have um, implicitly and explicitly acknowledged this that there is a responsibility of the elders to create invitations into maturity for the bodies who are experiencing those chemical and hormonal transitions hmm. we call those rites of passage so starting in his 10th year, the, the, the big frames are if I want to set him up to choose into the world he wants to create, then he needs to know some things about himself in that world. Hmm. So his early years, 10 and 11, are focused on – 10's focused on where are you from and 11 is focused on where are you now. So his tasks for his 10th year are to, we, we got him a um, MP3 recorder for his birthday. And he needs to interview all of his grandparents and all of his aunts and uncles and ask them questions. Where are you from? What was your childhood like? What did you like about it? What was hard about it? Just some really basic questions mm-hmm. to consciously choose into the story of his own fromness. And then in the 11th year, where are you now? That's going to be looking at our own story, our lives. How did we end up here on the farm, bringing him into more of that story? Why? How is it that your life ended up here? Let's talk about that. Let's talk about, and, and it's not going to be like you know a, a, a all roses, right? This is his opportunity yeah. to step into reality, to be like, we've made some mistakes. We loved people before we were married to each other. Um, you know, it's just this is this is the world you are a part of, and we are part mm. of it too. Um, the sense of again, there there is there's something about rites of passage that deal with scale, that deal with getting into the world so big that we feel the frailty of our own smallness. A lot of rites of passage focus on um, experiences that nudge us up toward death, and for a very long time that was. Because death was always around the corner. Um, But we lost something in our psychological framing when we had the privilege of keeping a long distance from death. And there's something forming in our being when we brush up against that wall, right? When we come close to that edge. It's something that I've experienced a few times in my life through different things. And I really credit those spontaneous Moments near death with helping shape who I am today, and luckily in two of the experiences that were very, very close, I had men around me. I had elders around me, Um, not my parents, but other men who were able to, after those moments, kind of gather us around and be like, whoa, let's talk about what just happened. Let's feel that we were really close to something really bad. Hmm. And so there are these moments that, that shape us and it changes the way that, you know, it changes what you know you can do, what you know you can't do. It changes the amount of cockiness and everything else and the bravado and everything else. Right. It impacts so much. So
1: which, which in itself is a right. And and, and that's what
2: I'm saying. Yeah. You got to brush close to death at some point. Right. So, but, but that's what I talk about scale. Right. So, Death mm-hmm. is kind of the ultimate scale, right? But then there's yeah. also the scale, the scale of history. Um, what is this country mm-hmm. about? What's our family lineage about? There's the scale of society. Wow, we live in this one little town, in this one little country, in this great big world. Oh, okay, let's participate in some of that. Let's appreciate some of that. So there, there is a sense of scale that's attached to these, of kind of pulling back some of the layers of protection on purpose, um, in a way, hopefully, that's still safe enough because of the parental influence that we can, if things get too unsafe, we can close that back up and say, okay, you're going to be all right. Because otherwise, we'll get out there and A, either he'll never mature, and we see that happening to just a huge amount of our population right now. Um, yeah. You know, 50, 70-year-old children walking around um, mm. still making the same decisions and reactions that they did when they were 5, 7, or 8 years old. Um, cause they, they never were either offered or never chose to receive that invitation into maturity. Um, and then we see people not knowing their own limits or boundaries or how to participate in a wider structure. And, and we begin complaining about things that we shouldn't be complaining about because it's like, no, this is just what it means to be human. Like, no, we need right. to all work together to get this done. Um, this part of the experience. Right? Yeah. And, and we forget mm-hmm. that because we become isolated from our own development and and isolated from the development of society but so so with judah so year 10 where are you from interviewing grandparents and aunts and uncles then we also got him a small electric chainsaw um, to have him so he's gonna start helping me out in the orchard a little bit we've got a couple of dead trees we've got to go cut up in the next week or two So he's going to start helping me with that. Right. So just.
1: I'm laughing because I myself just picked up a small electric chainsaw. I've never had a chainsaw before. So uh, maybe I could come out to the orchard and you could could teach me. You could teach me too. Yeah. You you can't (laughs) learn what you
2: don't know. You got to stumble your way through it. There's no shame at all. Oh, my um, gosh. I love that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. um funny. and th- And then the other thing we're going to 10 or doing, 43. Yeah, one way or one the other, you right? You know, we all have invitations at different <laughs> points in our lives. They don't let me near the power
1: tools, Caden. <laughs> all right. That's just the way it is. I've accepted it.
2: Uh, and then the, the third element, and there, there's some other things, but kind of the third embodied element in his 10th year is that we're going to spend... Um, at least one night a month this summer, just he and I uh, camping out in the orchard, right? So we're, again, privileged enough that we can stay within a line of sight of the house and we can also be out with the coyotes at the same time. So Mm. that's gonna be our first introduction towards drawing near towards death is that we're gonna just be out with the coyotes and deer at night, which, you know, again, it's a very normal experience for most Americans, but there's a consciousness that we're going to apply to it of like, what does it mean for us to be out here? And what if we were farther out? And of course, it'll scaffold to the point where, you know, spoiler alert, you know, as, as he's older, there's going to be some survival elements of like, okay, you have nothing, no food, no water, no shelter. And we'll come pick you up in three or four days. But that's not where we're starting. What? That's where that at that point. he All will right, be, Bear grills tipping the edge from being provided for to providing. And there are benchmarks along the way that will give him the skills he needs. So that way he will be capable when it comes to that.
1: Golly. I I, I have to imagine, uh, I can't imagine that. Well, I can't imagine that happening to me, but also at the same time, I can't imagine that happening to me. That didn't happen to me, but I can see like, if you can make it through that, the confidence and the reassurance that it will give you, like, oh no, I did I did it on my own. I was able to make it on. I was equipped. I felt skilled enough to do that. Yeah, that's brilliant. Yeah. I, also, yeah. I hope nobody report <laughs> like in today's today's day and age. Like, you did what? You abandoned your now. Let's. Yes. You say this is far down the road. It so is we're far not down taking the road. a ten year old. There's a lot and,
2: of training and skill that goes into it. And again, yeah. this is part of where we all need to step into our own maturity and adulthood and acknowledge that. There are competencies and skills that are within our reach of human beings that we can embody and embolden ourselves toward. Um, but, yeah, you well, know, I, I kind of on that last one, I kind of thrust it upon myself um, in college. There were a few weekends where I just decided I wanted to go. And it yeah. was a little bit on accident because I just didn't have the things. I was just a poor mm. college kid. So, you know, I grabbed a couple of like whatever bratwurst or something to throw in my little day pack with me. But like <laughs> I had a sleeping bag. I didn't even have a sleeping pad. Um, and I had a little Coleman pop tent. Right. And like and yeah. I would just drive up and I would just drive out some Forest Service road and I would just start hiking. No trail. Just found a ridge or valley I liked. And wow. I would just set up camp for a night or two. Um, and so I kind of stumbled my way into it. Just kind of. Yeah. But again, yeah, it, it, it shapes you.
1: It does. Yeah. Well, and I can even see that, in it, and it is kind of the natural order of things, having the perspective that I have now on this side of parenthood, where our oldest is 14, and you can see the individuating happen to where there's that pulling away. There's that that sense of self mm-hmm. uh, coming more and more into focus. And as a parent, again, not trying to make it all about me, but that rite of passage of it's not my little kid anymore. Yeah, it's it like yeah. he's he's his own. Per- and it's mourning, mm-hmm. mourning the fact that oh, there's not as much dependent when I'm so used to being depended on, mm-hmm. and that that's a two way street. Where you're like oh, thank God, <laughs> like I don't have to do so much anymore. But also you're you're oh my gosh, yeah, like and and struggling with uh, is it something I said? Is it something I did? No, he's just growing mm-hmm. up. Yep, he just wants to be his own person. He doesn't yep. need dad. Trying to solve his every problem and take care of his every need, and that's hard, KB. Yeah, yeah. it's because I need to be needed. Okay, mm-hmm. I'm just gonna say it. I need to mm-hmm. deal with my own issues, but I need, I need to be needed, yep. um, and to see him move into that. So for what you're saying, with at some point you're you're gonna be you're gonna be permission granted to be off on your own, yep. and and we're gonna give you the tools to do that. Yep. Is is. Now that I talk about it, it makes a lot of sense. <laughs> yeah,
2: yeah. And, and you know, it is, you know, rites of passage are about the individual, um, you know, so yeah. the rite of passage of death is about the person dying. Um, mm-hmm. But it's also about the community, right? And in in the sense yes. of family, you know, of course, in America, family means just, you know, your biological parents and siblings. But in the broader sense, family is a much wider umbrella, and there is a sense of the rite of passage is also for the family to give everyone a chance yeah. to acknowledge, to mourn, to, because it is a good, good thing that our children want to draw distance between us. Yeah. We often damage that what, by trying to hold on because it's so hard for our own psyche, because we're not, we don't have the way marker to mm. mourn it and say, okay, no, this is, we are now in new territory. I, yeah. I am now changing my mind about how I relate to the world and how I relate to this individual. And so the rites of passage give us, as community members, permission to also step into new ways of being as the person going through the rite of passage themselves step into a new way of being.
1: Love it. So we're, we're at time here, so I want to I wrap us up. But I, th- I, that was the point. I love that there is the community. If I could go back in time, To fifth grade Chris it it reminded me that that was one of my assignments was to sit down and interview my grandma Mm -hmm. and I did and I put it on I recorded it on a cassette tape (laughs) I had to turn it in I have no idea where that tape is Mm -hmm. I have no way to play it if if I had it I mean I'm sure I could find something um but to to treasure that like I wish I had that now Mm -hmm. to hear not only little Chris and his little high pitched squealy voice, but to hear Grandma in her story, mm. um, back when I was a fifth grader. Mm-hmm. So you know that Grandma's still still young, still could recall a, a, a long ways. Um, Judah, mm-hmm. take it from your friend uh, Uncle Chris here. Mm-hmm. Hold on to that. Uh, hold on to that recorder. Whatever you whatever you do, put it in a special place. Make sure that you can access that. 'Cause it, it, it'll be invaluable and I'm so glad that you guys are doing that. So right now finding out about the past ten years old. Mm-hmm. Let's go interview the relatives mm-hmm. and maybe the community at large. Mm-hmm. And then uh we're gonna find out next year about where we are now and what brought us brought us to this story right yep. now. Yep. Okay. Is there a resource that, that this this is something that you're making up, or is there a resource that if people want to find out more about this that you can recommend? So there there are Two books um,
2: that I would recommend. And now, of course, I'm not remembering the names. um, But one is by Bill Plotkin, um, who is a fantastic psychologist, researcher, and has led outdoor, week-long rite-of-passage events um, for like 25 or 30 years. And then there's a fantastic book. um, I think it might just be called Rights by uh, Richard Rohr um, because he also leads initiation – he calls them initiations instead of rites of passage. So it probably not call it right. Anyway. Okay. Um,
1: and we can put them in the show notes too. Mm-hmm. For folks. Then.
2: Yeah. And, the, and then there there are a lot of indigenous resources as well. Um, obviously, because okay. of our system, we have to dig a little bit harder for them. Um, but they're truly, truly fantastic and wise. And, and oftentimes, again, back to scale, um, indigenous rights and Bill Plotkin's mm-hmm. rights deeply connect us to the earth and the earth story. Um, as, as the source of life as it has been for thousands of years and continues to be to this day. Um, nice. So and, and so in them particular, in Judah's 12th year, there will be 12 specific tasks. And that's kind of an um, amalgamation of the Maasai tradition in which there was a certain number of tasks and then also kind of the biblical number 12, 12 tribes, mm. 12 disciples, 12 tribes, yeah. 12th year, oh, as yeah. a sense of fullness Um, so those will be like specific tangible things that he can look back on and have, um, of like, okay now, so, you know, it's going to be skills from like woodworking in the woodshop to cooking food, to helping butcher animals, to, it's going to be a whole smattering of things kind of all across the board, um, of, of giving him tastes of what real skills feel like on his body. Um, so then he can make some more informed choices in his future.
1: Well, I want to sign up for your Rites of Passage class. Thanks, Caven. I think I feel like I need to go through these uh, just to uh, learn these things that I've never learned. So, no. But, I mean, that's fantastic. Thanks thanks so much for sharing that with us. Thanks for being vulnerable and open to, to what your family is going through and, and kind of giving us an eye and some insight uh, if that's something that we want to start working into our lives. I'm even thinking about how with my sons that they're a little bit further down the path uh, than Judah. Uh, but still, there's time to work in those those rites of passage, mm-hmm. just, besides just the normal ones that are happening, and it's happening. It I is. can't stop it. You can't. It's, you can't. You really can't. It is hardwired. <laughs> yes. I'm finding it, it is stinking hardwired. So, yep. anyway, thanks so much, yeah. Uh This is great. Uh, you know, folks, if you want to join in the conversation of Dust and Divinity at gmail.com, please uh, dro- drop us a line. Yeah, we'd uh, we'd love to hear. Yeah. and Cabin, as always.
2: It's been a pleasure, my friend. Yeah, thank you, Chris. Hey, can I can I close this out with five statements of, of being?
1: Please. I rushed the end. You did please didn't. slow us down. This is this is beautiful. Yeah. Okay,
2: so so these are five that I have come up with myself. These are five mm-hmm. I am statements that I would love for Judah to have dwelling within his body as a result of these rites of passage. So, here are the five statements. I am strong in skill and courage. I am small in the sea of history and culture. I am mortal in the scent of death. I am alert in social graces and in activism. I am myself of many possibilities and of many limits.
0: Hmm.
1: I say we end it there.
2: All right. Thank you, Chris. Thanks, Kevin.
0: And that's our show.
2: If this conversation was meaningful to you like it was to us, leave a rating and review so that more people just like us can discover this podcast and join the
1: conversation themselves. Thank you for listening. We're so glad you're here, and we'd love for you to join the conversation too. But hey, you've heard enough of our voices.
0: For show notes or to connect with this community of seekers, visit us online at ofdustanddivinity.com. Partner with us on Patreon and get access to exclusive content, merch, and hidden perks. Go to patreon.com ofdustanddivinity. Join our Facebook group of Dust and Divinity podcast community and engage with us on Instagram at ofdust underscore and divinity. As you go through your day, remember these words of Rainer Maria Rilke. Be patient toward all that is unsolved in your heart and try to love the questions themselves. Do not seek the answers which cannot be given to you, for you would not be able to live them. And the point is to live everything. Live the questions now.
1: do it again
0: ah i'm doing it again we're ah from the top here we go